Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Are you ready to go? Uh, That's the question we've been asking because it's normally this time of year where uh, many of us are thinking about uh, resolutions or goals or things that we want to do or what our 2018 is going to look like. And and really what we're doing at the heart of that, whether it is resolutions or goals, is we're thinking about how do we get from here to there? And... Uh, What we discovered last week is that there's two different ways that you can think about that. You can be really worried about there. You can be really worried about if you get stuck, particularly as you were hearing from me in my four-wheel driving adventures, is that a a true four-wheel driver never worries about if they get stuck because you're not four-wheel driving until you get stuck. A four-wheel driver really is more concerned not whether if they get stuck they're more concerned about when they get stuck are they ready to get themselves out of the situation see the difference a four-wheel driver is constantly ready to go have I packed what is necessary to get me out of that and so last week we we learned that there are a few different things that you can pack in order to be ready to go the first one was a guidebook Uh, Many of us have these things. We said that more people read these things than they do this guidebook, the Bible, ironically. Um, But you have to come under the authority of a guidebook. And to possess a guidebook is to say that I actually really don't know where I'm going. And I don't know what to do when I get there. So if you've got a guidebook, a guidebook can show you the way. And James said that uh, the, the word is true and the word is right. And we're to come under the word if we want that stability in our lives. But not just come under it, we need a mirror. A very well used mirror of mine at home, as you can see. (laughs) But we have to be constantly using this guidebook, the Word of God, uh, reflecting upon it. It reflects at us like a mirror. The Word of God demands a response from us and the difference is in the doing. The doing now, looking at the Word of God, looking at the way that it pushes against us and changing now. So as a result, I said last week that, uh, have you finished your year before it's begun? It's the doing now that makes a difference. Kristen and I got away on Thursday. To, we finished our year before it's begun, haven't we, hun? Uh, we did that on Thursday because it's the doing that makes a difference. And we looked at the putting the big things right in our lives. And so that was a big picture of last week. And then, of course, you might be hearing that and you might be like some of the people that I prayed for and I spoke to last week that said, Sam, yeah, look, I, I get all of that future thinking stuff and coaching style, future pacing and everything, but... Man, have you seen what my life is like at the moment? My life's all over the shop. Um, I I don't even know whether I'm up or down. And so this morning we're going to talk about some other things that you can pack if you were feeling that way. Um, Certainly, I've been thinking about uh, maybe going for a cruise towards the end of the year. Uh, Anyone a cruiser here? Yeah, we've got, see, look at that, B-52s, that season of life. They love cruising, our older generation. Things for cruises, echinacea, you need some echinacea because it's not funny how ironically you always get sick when you travel. Right when you travel, you always get sick, have some echinacea, get the immunity happening there. Bit of mouthwash, <laughs> bit of deodorant. It, isn't it funny too, you know how, you know, you always end up stinking about three times worse when you're on planes and boats. Don't you find that? There must be something about the atmosphere, but you, you have a bit of mouthwash and that stuff. But look, here's, here's the main stuff. Uh, motion sickness tablets. <laughs> Anyone here get motion sick? We've got a, a few of them. 
Um, I, I discovered that the hard way uh, when I, I went with a friend out on his uh, yacht outside the heads of Palm Beach and we went out there just for a, a, a little bit and, and uh, we just sat there out at sea for a little bit and they stopped the boat and the, the boat just started rocking. It wasn't even a big sea and the boat just constantly rocking. Anyone ever felt this? boat's constantly rocking and after about 15 to 20 minutes, I'm like, oh man, I'm really starting to hurt and, and, and I'm starting to lean on the side of the boat and it's, it's getting worse and worse and, and that terrifying feeling that you know that you're at least 40 something minutes by the time you're getting back to the wharf again. And, and at which point, um, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> it was horrible. The worst is I, I never, I never chundered. I never got sick, which I think makes it worse. Some, sometimes I just want to get rid of that feeling in all of that. But, um, but just the, the chop of the waves, I just, I just felt motion sick. I wish I had had some of these tablets with me. Now, here's a point. Um, maybe the person that's saying, oh, you know, Sam, forget you're talking about here to there. I don't know whether I'm up or down. Maybe what you're suffering from this morning is spiritual motion sickness. There was a f- funny book that I saw written for, for teenagers. It was, it was an American book. It said, if God loves me so much, then why can't I open my locker? <laughs> So random. But then I was thinking, haven't you had those moments? You know, when, when all of life is hitting you so much, that if God loves me so much, then why can't I just get my sugar in the coffee mug? Have you ever found yourself absolutely losing it over the small stuff? And I think it's because of this. You know, when I talk about spiritual motion sickness, of course, there are some of you here this morning that are dealing with major health issues. And a major crisis or, or, or a major shift in life, you've lost your job or a major transition. And of course, that's going to give you spiritual motion sickness. But, but for many of us, it feels like we are knee deep in life's little um, adversities. Ever felt? It's just, it's the chop. I'm not in big seas. It's just life is so choppy and unstable. And after a while, you get to this point in the year where you're like, oh man, what? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I losing it? Why am I losing it over the small stuff all the time? If God loves me so much, why can't I open my locker? <laughs> Doesn't sound so crazy now, does it? So here's what we want to talk about this morning. How does the Bible tell us how to get over spiritual motion sickness? Now you want to know what it is? You want to know what spiritual motion sickness is? It's this. Um, the spiritual word for motion sickness is doubt. Doubt. Doubts always happen like this. Doubts happen when life's experiences come at you in such a way that it causes your heart to feel differently from what your head knows to be true. Haven't you, haven't you felt that in your Christian walk? We sing about it this morning. Um, God, God, you're amazing. More than a, you know, uh, we, we sang that song. What were the lyrics of that song? That, you know, um, God is always for us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And we hear and we sing and we read these promises and we know in our head that God is true to his promise, as it says here in his word, that he's confirmed his oath in Hebrews 6. And yet we hear promises like, he will never leave me or forsake me. And then yet that contract doesn't come through for work. He will never leave me and forsake me, but then a health crisis hits. 
He will never leave me or forsake me, but I've got to sell my house now because of what happened. He will never leave me or forsake me, but now I've lost my job. And so on one hand, we, we know in our, in our head that God is true to his promises and we hear these promises and yet life hits us in such a way that it causes our hearts to feel different from what is happening in life. And as a result, we end up in this spiritual dizziness. That's what Hebrews was getting at in this passage here. First bit of scripture this morning. People swear by something greater than themselves and the oath confirms what it said and puts an end to all argument. People swear by something greater than themselves. What it's, it's a bit of an obscure passage, this one, isn't it, if you heard it this morning. But what it's really saying is that whether you are a Christian or whether you are a non-Christian, when life hits you in such a way that it starts to give you this motion sickness, your instinctive reaction is to grab for something beyond yourself. Have you found that? You, you, you grab for something beyond yourself because some of you have felt it if you're dealing with your physical unsteadiness. What do you do? If you get spiritually dizzy, you, 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 you reach out and you instinctively try and steady yourself if you're unstable with something else that is stable. So Hebrews gives us fascinating illustration and this is the ultimate thing to pack. Like It's one thing to pack your motion sickness tablets, but really you should be packing this. You should be packing a rope, or more specifically, a rope that you can anchor to something. Because it says in the next bit of scripture, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If, if we're real about it, we, the Hebrews is saying to us that our souls need an anchor, a place of stability, something that is beyond ourselves because if we think about it what makes a good anchor first of all first of all what makes a good anchor is that you're attached to it that always helps <laughs> i've had mates that have thrown anchors overboard and not had it tied to the boat <laughs> so the first thing is you need to be attached to this anchor but most importantly what makes a good anchor an anchor is actually attached to something beyond the water. We throw it into the water, but anchors attached to what? Rocks, sand. You put it down and an anchor attaches to it. And so in other words, an, an anchor, we just don't throw an anchor into the water for the water's sake because here's the problem. Um, the water is the problem. And any good physicist will tell you one of the benefits of an anchor is that in that moment, physically, that anchoring transfers from the stability of the rocks, through the swirl of the water, and transfers it to you. You're no longer affected by the water anymore. That's what makes an anchor an anchor. You haven't thought about it that physically. And we have to be real. Life is in flux. Life is water. I feel like most of the time that I'm talking to, particularly people over the 50 years of age at the moment, that for them, life for them feels like it... it <laughs> At the moment, one of the tough things about getting older is it just, it just feels like it's, it's one funeral to the next. Life's in flux. that it's just You just spend each week or a couple of times a month just saying goodbye to a good friend. Realising how difficult it is to deal with the change. To deal with the fact that even after you say goodbye to the friend or to the loved one, how they're noticing too how quickly everyone else seems to get on with their life. 
uh, how, how much this water is swirling. We are constantly in flux. And so whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, the instinctive reaction is to reach out for something that is beyond. And so Hebrews saying here that you need an anchor for the soul suggests to you that you have been so designed that there is a place for you of stability that you instinctively want to reach out to. Part of our problem is we think we're anchored to things of stability and they're not stable at all. We anchor ourselves to careers, we anchor ourselves to bank balances, we anchor ourselves to relationships. And if we're, we're real about it, all of life is water. All of life is shifting, all of life is moving, even the most stable of things moves in the water. Take a look at the, this picture that I snapped this morning on my prayer walk uh, down at Circular Quay. This is coming to you fresh. <laughs> now, it's really hard for you to, to see all of this, but... But just down in here, we can't quite get it in the resolution of the iPhone 8 at the moment. But, but that thing is anchored to the wharf. And I had this revelation this morning that I think half of our problem, we think, is if we just get bigger in the water, then we're going to be more stable. If we have a bigger bank account, if we have a bigger house, if we have more things around us to make us stable. But I can tell you the only reason that that mega thing is tied to that tiny little anchor on the dock is because even the biggest things in life move when you're in the water. We need an anchor that is attached to the rocks that is beyond the water, underneath the water, that physically is transferring through constantly that stability to where we presently are. So this is the question, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we are all asking this. I sense you get this. I've seen a few nods here this morning. I sense you feel this. What you're really asking is, are there rocks at the bottom of the universe? That's what you're really asking. (laughs) But you are really asking that. Is there a place of ultimate stability? Some of you are asking that because you've already felt the things that you thought were stable or unstable. So of course you're asking that question. Some of you are asking it because you're searching for a thing of stability and you get to find it. Are there rocks at the bottom of the universe? How do we find that? How do we find this sense of stability? And, and this passage says to us clearly that yes, there are rocks at the bottom of the universe. Men swear by something greater. But because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, he confirmed it with an oath. So in other words, God is saying in simple terms, you must trust me. I'm good on my word. And that is the premise by which we all approach God. And so how do we find that? How do we feel that? Particularly if you're a person of faith and you are in that motion sickness moment at the moment and you're feeling dizzy and you are reaching out and you are clamoring to try and steady yourself. You're in doubt, you're motion sick. How do you find that? Some of you are thinking, how do I find that stability? A couple of things this morning. It's all got to do with anchors. Funny that. Let's continue the analogy. Here's, here's the first Before you do anything else, if you're wanting to know where God is and and where his stability is in your life, the first thing that you can practically do is you begin pulling on the rope. Any boaties here? Have you ever noticed that nine out of ten times you can never actually see where the anchor lands underneath the water? So what does a good captain do? I've had to do this because I don't have my boat license yet. But I've got friends that say this. They, They just yell at you and they want to know if they're anchored. And so how do you know you're anchored? Well, they say, pull on the rope. You pull on the rope. If you pu- if you pull on the rope hard enough, and the boat is small enough, even if it's a big boat, what happens? The boat begins to move. 
Not the anchor moves. The boat moves relative to all of that. So here's what I'm getting at. If you are in a place of spiritual motion sickness this morning, the first thing you can do is pull the rope until you feel God's presence. It means don't give up on worship. Sing the songs, God, you're amazing. It means more practically begin to pull on the rope and you come to things like communion that we did this morning. What are we doing when we do that? It is weird. You're right, man. It is weird. Eating bread and juice on a Sunday morning. Most people are eating smashed avocado at this time of the morning. You're eating crackers and juice. What are we doing in that? We're, we're pulling the rope. We are thinking. We are remembering. Why are we eating this stuff while everyone is eating smashed avocado? Because there was a guy called Jesus who said, do this in remembrance of me. And why did he do that? Because they're remembering the promises of God that he would deliver the people of Israel. That we're remembering when we eat this, that this was not just a story made up in fantasy land, but he said that in an upper room in a place called Jerusalem, which is a real place that you can look up in Google Maps. And that this thing is not a story. And so if we feel that, that God is not there, we, we pull the rope until we begin to feel his presence again in our lives. Another way that, that it could work is that you think back on Things like the way that, that this verse is, is talking about. We've got here that Genesis 15, it's alluding to the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 15. Remember in verse 5, where God takes him outside and he says, Abraham, look up at the heavens, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall be your offspring. And so we think on verses like this. This is Hebrews saying, God promised this to Abraham. And this is an old verse. But Abraham was even older than the old verse. It says, God came good on his promise to Abraham. Get this for a statistic. As at 2005, estimates classify that 54% of the world's population, 3.6 billion people, are adherents of an Abrahamic faith. What are we doing? We're pulling the rope. You might feel that the promise, I'll never leave you or forsake you, God's not coming good on that. But you look at the promise that he gave to Abraham, look at the stars, 3.6 billion people today, half of the world's population, one God amongst thousands of other gods at the time. You think that he came good on his word? We're pulling the rope. So you do the things, you pull on the rope, you do the disciplined things you can do actually to be thinking about the things of God until you feel that tension of his presence. Does that make sense? Here's the other one, boaties. Have you ever noticed, I noticed this at New Year's when there's like hundreds of boats on the harbour and I got to go out one time, but have you ever noticed that when, whenever the wind blows, uh, all, of, all of the different yachts seem to align into the direction of the wind? Anyone notice that? Anyone notice too when the wind blows that a, a boat can be in its mooring and it just seems to, to wander around the place all afternoon. You could be sitting there having a nice barbecue and the boat next to you on the mooring, it's just... It's just roaming everywhere. Notice that? Here's the second thing. If you're anchored, just because you feel like you're drifting doesn't mean that God has cut you loose. Some of you see this. I will never leave you or forsake you. I have plans for you. I have purposes for you. You read the promises of God and then life hits over here in your motion sickness and you think, this is not happening for me. This is not what I signed up for. This doesn't look like your promises just because you've drifted from what you think was God's promise for you doesn't mean that he's cut you loose. There's a section in the Psalms that says, here it is, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and rest in him. Follow him and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And some of you hear passages like that and think, yeah, really? But I was thinking, you know, can you imagine? I'm, I'm in the process at the moment with my, my little guy, Zach. Of, he likes to read his devotionals before he goes to bed. So can you imagine if I, I, I read him um, the Psalms there like that? Trust in God and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Anyone want to have guesses on what Zach would say at four and a half? What would be the desires of his heart? Um, Daddy's iPad. <laughs> Chocolate cake whenever I can eat it. <laughs> Now what's crazy is we could we'd sit on the edge of the bed and we could laugh at him in that and that would be beautiful and wonderful. But as a father, what do I think? I'm thinking, buddy, like they're, good, they're good things, but that is, that is nothing compared to what God could have in store for you. In other words, like you, you lack the capacity to even dream the most wonderfulest things that God could have planned for you. And we sit here and we hear these promises of God. And more importantly, we sit here and we dream and imagine the best that God could possibly have for us. And my question for you this morning is to say, what is to say compared to the manifold wisdom of God that your brain is no different from little four and a half year old Zach as he relates to me? God is saying, you don't even have the capacity to dream of the wonders and the ways that I can give you the desires of your heart. And more importantly, you don't even know what the desires of your heart really are, truly are. You might dream up the ultimate career and the ultimate relationship and the ultimate uh, marriage and, and, and the ultimate place, but you have to understand those things are only a means to the desires of your heart. They're just, they're, they're just they're good things along the way. They're not the desires themselves. Can I suggest to you the things you're after is approval. The things you're after is significance. The things you're after is glory. The things you're after is wonder. The things you're after is to know that I'm going to be okay. They're the things we're really after. So, when we drift from these things that we're dreaming of and hoping for and wanting from God and think that his promises are just because we've drifted from that doesn't mean that he's cut you loose. And here's why, and here's the last one. This was... This was a 9 p.m. revelation last night. Um, here's why. It's because this, this whole analogy that we've been taking uh, from this morning, from the word, here it is. It's because anchors are designed to save you in the storm, not from the storm. And I can tell you the lives that I look around in this place that would say amen to that. And in fact, the people that if I presented with you with an option this morning to say, which would you rather have, a motion sickness pill or a save me pill to get you out of the situation? Or would you like an anchor? Something to be tethered to. Paul says, I, I, I consider that these present temporary sufferings are worth nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed what's he saying he's, he's, he's saying there is something happens in the storm there is a power in the storms in fact it's the storms that are things that finally reveal what it is that you're actually anchored to and there have been many people in this place 
who have come to understand when they've known other people in their life who haven't been battered by the winds and haven't had tough circumstances in their life and haven't had the hardships, what are people like that like? They're, they're shallow. They're insincere. They, they don't get it, do they? But anchors are here to give you a stability in the midst of the storm. They're there to save you in the storm, not from the storm, because anyone who knows what storms are like, storms are eventually temporary and it will blow over. And so a Christian receives all of this rightly because they have this anchor that is way beyond career and bank balance and all the rest of it. A Christian is someone in God who has found the rocks at the bottom of the universe and it is constantly on a day-by-day hourly basis transferring that supernatural stability from the very depths of heaven itself beyond us all the way into our present reality so that we can stand firm no matter how much this wind is coming at us. See how it works? And as a result, in the midst of that, it gives the Christian the crazy paradoxical resource to be asking God, even in the midst of storm, what are you teaching me through this? What are you doing to me through this? How are you growing me through this? What are you revealing to me through this? Christians Christians don't ask, why is this happening to me? They ask, why is this happening to me? Remember? In other words, God, what what are you ordaining in this storm that is showing me and growing me? Anchors save save you not from it, but in the storm. And I've seen this as we finish up this morning. I've seen this in many lives throughout this place. Um, Don't take my word for it. Stay, have a coffee. If, if you if go sit at the go sit at the stormy table, it's sort of it's the table that's up the back end of the foyer. It's all of those that have a little bit more experience in life. It's why they always have the best biscuits too, by the way, <laughs> in church. But there's always the best conversation because they're the sort of people like one of our older people this week. As I was calling them up to see how she was doing after her uh, radio treatment, radiotherapy. And uh, she hasn't been back at church yet, but, um, but she's, getting, she's getting better through that. And, and what surprised me, she said, Sam, oh, I didn't think that this, I don't think this thing, this cancer was the thing that was going to hit me. She's like, at my age, you've got about five different things that can take you out. <laughs> I didn't expect cancer to be one of them. <laughs> and she said, she said, it feels like uh, every new person I meet each week, their last name is Ologist. <laughs> All new friends. But she said this. She said, Sam, yeah, it's been tough and it's been painful, but I just can't imagine what it would be like for people that didn't have the stabilizing hope of God in their life. There's the sermon. So whether, whether you're in calm waters this morning, whether you're getting a little bit motion sickness because there's chop of life, small things, little things, the things you're almost feeling guilty about because they seem so insignificant but are so constant, they're starting to throw you out. If you're suffering from that spiritual dizziness, it, it gives you and I, all of us, the opportunity this morning to simply ask ourselves this question, what is it that my life is anchored to? And we see it in the lives of many of these greats throughout the Bible who often were flawed people and ordinary people and they weren't superstars. And we see that true of people in the church here each and every week when you stay and do community with us long enough. 
that there is something stabilizing, there is something powerful in the anchoring of our lives and of our soul to God in the midst of these moments. The question is whether or not you will continue to pull on the rope. The question is whether or not you think that because you're drifting that God has left you. The question is whether or not you're afraid of the storms when you've got to realize the storms are coming anyway. And that God in many ways is not here to save you from it, but to save you in it. He says, simply trust me in this and watch what happens. And I believe it's the word for you and I as we continue to move into our 2018 to trust in him, to await and to feel the power of his anchored presence in our life. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.